Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. This is Heather Zanz from the Weather Geeks team. I also have JD from the Weather Geeks team. We wanted to give you a special episode for today talking about Hurricane Ian, which is definitely the thing that we would be geeking about this week. But unfortunately, it's geeking about it in a little bit of more of a negative sense because it's about to impact millions and millions of people uh, across Florida and into the rest of the southeast. Right. And, you know, we kind of want to talk about what's been happening with Ian, the whole process of it going through rapid intensification, uh, its track through the Caribbean, eventually into the Gulf of Mexico, how it got there, kind of looking forward to where it's going before landfall. So, you know, if you are listening to this later on, uh, this was done before the storm actually made landfall. Yeah, it's currently Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So this is after the five o'clock advisory. So things may change when you listen to this episode. But yeah, we want to talk about Ian uh, holistically. So we can start pretty much at the beginning, which was like, I don't remember which invest number he was or it was, but (laughs) but it was like we were so focused on um, Hurricane Fiona. And then the models were really picking up on this really like they were not letting this Caribbean system go. They were so confident in this system forming. Yeah. And it took a little bit of time for it to get across the Atlantic. Mm -hmm. Uh, They'd been tracking it as an area to watch for several days Mm -hmm. and, and really on the lower end, maybe medium, you know, here at the Weather Channel, we have our color, so it was like yellow to orange (laughs) for a long time, and it picked up to orange, and it actually went back down to yellow, Mm -hmm. because there was so much dry air in the Atlantic, it just could not get things going. And Fiona was kind of messing with it, too, like, how big Fiona was getting, and, like, the sheer, like, envelope and everything was kind of, like, inhibiting it a little bit. It, well. was, it was that outflow from yeah. Fiona. It was mm-hmm. That's exactly what it was. It was the outflow from Fiona just wouldn't let this. Mm-hmm. And then Fiona started to pull away, and all of a sudden the orange came back, and then we got to red, and then it became the little tropical storm that could. Yes, basically, yeah. It w- became Tropical Depression 9 on uh, last week, Friday. And that was... Friday was a very interesting day, and I will say in terms of communicating things, because we had TD9 and TD10 at the same time, and then we, it was fighting over... Which one was going to be named first? Or is this storm going to be Hermine? Is it going to be Ian? Um, and it was very difficult because it really, I, th- I think um, this will be more of like a, you know, later down the line type of discussion of if that hurt the messaging and the communication a little bit, mm-hmm. where it's like going into this weekend or this past weekend, if people were planning, like if they were spending the weekend in Florida or something, and it's like, you have a system that they were confident was going to become a hurricane, but they could not say its name, which I thought was, or I think will be, um, kind of an issue. But hopefully a lot of people are taking the warning over the past few days um, to kind of, you know, rectify that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we had the tropical storm. It continued to chug along. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like a will they, won't they. It was like, mm-hmm. when? We're confident this rapid intensification is going to occur. Yes. The shear is dying off. The ocean temperatures are warm. The depth of that warm layer is there. It's got a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. 
But it took a while. It did. It was all weekend, pretty much. Like we, it was, a, a, like it was a tropical depression on Friday, and I don't. When did it become a storm? Like Sunday, like a tropical storm. I mean, like it took a couple of days for it to at least go from TD to TS, and then from TS to a hurricane. It took a while, but then, but we, uh, we, everyone here was so confident. Even the NHC was so confident about the rapid intensification that Ian was going to go under, which is. I, which was amazing, honestly. Like, obviously, well, rapid intensification is not amazing, but the fact that we were able to forecast it so accurately that we knew that this storm was going to become really, really strong in a short amount of time gave people, unfortunately, not as much time to prepare, but we could talk about the impacts, how strong they will be um, earlier than we probably could have, like, 20 years ago. Yeah, in fact, you and I were talking about it earlier today. Mm -hmm. Had this storm happened 10 years ago, the forecast for that rapid intensification right. would not have been as accurate. It right. just wouldn't have been there. Mm -hmm. And it's because we have so much more advances in not only the data that we get in there, but technology itself. We have these computers that can process so much more data now. Mm -hmm. And you have to remember just like how complex the atmosphere is and how right. many different things go into it. You know, when it's almost the equivalent of thinking, you know, Take a look at the computer we had in the 1950s and how much data it could process. And then 10 years later, we were sending astronauts to the moon. Right. So it goes to show you that 10 years in data processing makes a huge difference in what we can do with it. Right, exactly. Like, I think it was like the all the technology that we sent the first man to the moon is now like in our iPhones or something. Like, mm -hmm. here's, or it's like our iPhones are stronger than that, which is crazy to think about how much technology has advanced advanced and that's so so great and then also with ian we are act it's not even just a hurricane hunters doing drop sons type of situation we have they have basically activated every single nws office to send out extra weather balloons pretty much for the past few days to keep giving data for how the atmosphere is evolving. And not even just in Florida, we're talking about the trough that's going to be moving in to steer Ian, which is immensely, immensely important as we mm -hmm. get closer and closer to the time because this isn't even just a Florida event. This is potentially a Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina mm -hmm. crawling up the coast type of event, um, similar to what we had with Irma in terms of we had really bad impacts in Atlanta after Irma, and people probably were like, what? You mean there's going to be a tropical storm in Atlanta? It's like, yep, you've like, you got to watch out for this stuff. It's Sometimes it sneaks up on you. Yeah, and to go back to what you're saying about how many players are in the system and how mm -hmm. spatially, how wide they are, when Irma was in the Caribbean, we had National Weather Service offices in the Pacific Northwest mm -hmm. launching you know, special balloons to get atmospheric conditions because that trough that's moving across the country is key to what happens with Ian in the long run. Right. It's yeah, yeah, it's like the epitome of the of everything is connected where, uh, you know, usually if you if you live in the southeast, you've probably noticed that it's been, you know, really clear skies. It's been not very unsettled. Um, that's just usually just how these things work because then you're like, huh, I wonder why it's been so, so dry. I wonder why things aren't happening. It's like, oh, yeah, because there's a hurricane in the <laughs> Gulf of Mexico right All now. All of it's getting pulled into right? that. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's where they, that's where it is. Um, so I wanted to also take, a, say, take some time to focus on the storm surge aspect with Ian because that is going to be the main, or I feel like anyway, again, this is, we're recording this Tuesday night, so things can change, but with the uh, the angle of approach that Ian is taking compared to Tampa and the surrounding cities, um, just one little uh, like wobble of 
Ian could change impacts for millions and millions of people mm-hmm. in like in a span of like an hour because we forecast these wobbles very you know uh, intensely and you know it could change just like just like that. And a lot of that has to do with just the coastline itself of Florida yeah. and the specific shape of that coastline mm-hmm. in relation to the path of Ian. Right. They're, we say close to parallel because it's not parallel. It's obviously mm-hmm. going inland. Yeah. But, you know, it's going almost south to north, mm-hmm. and that's the direction generally the Florida coastline is. So when you have a cone, if it shifts like 15, 20 miles to the east or west, mm-hmm. you know, if that was making a head-on perpendicular landfall, we're talking 15 or 20 miles east or west. Right. <laughs> but when it's a parallel or near parallel, that can mean hundreds of miles of difference yes. between the landfall point, And that's what's been making this forecast um I'm not going to say so difficult, but that's one of the reasons we're seeing a lot of variations in the forecast when they do come out, because that track means a lot of things, such as the storm surge. Are you on the right or the left side of the storm relative to its motion? Right. Charlie's a great example of that. When Hurricane Charlie, which this is getting a lot of comparison to, mm-hmm. made landfall in Fort Myers area, huge storm surge. Yeah. Tampa was on the left side of that. Mm-hmm. The bay actually pushed out which is insane. into the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah. And it just goes to show you that the side of the storm you're on, the winds are still strong, but it has completely opposite effects. Exactly. Yeah, it's I mean, it's still a hurricane. You still should not be outside you sh- or you should have evacuated at this point, depending on um, where you are. But it's it, it is insane when you're actually in the thick of it because it probably just feels like constant wind, constant rain. But the direction that that wind and rain is coming from is actually really paramount to kind of nailing down the extent of the impacts that you're going to see. And then also thinking outside of the cone as well. Um, Right now, it's like Ian making landfall on the western side of Florida and then kind of crawling up. Um, crawling up through Florida, and then it could, <laughs> it could exit <laughs> over, you know, northeast Florida, and then come back in and make another. There's all again. These, this could all change. There's a lot of stuff going on, but I want to also highlight the fact that Miami has not been in the cone at all for Ian. But I'm pretty sure they just got put under a tropical storm warning. They did. Which is, if, if you were like, if you on Friday or whatever, you're like, oh, you know, I'm not in the cone, so we don't have to worry about it. And then you get the alert on your phone. And it's like, hey, by the way, you're under a tropical storm warning. You're probably like, what? Like, oh, my gosh, I didn't get prepared or whatever. So um, I hope we as an industry have really, um, uh, I'm sure a lot of Floridians are have been tuned in, but it's also just like, Again, emphasizing just because you are, quote, not in the cone does not mean Ian's not going to impact you in some meaningful way. Well, let's talk about that for a moment, though. Let's talk about exactly what the cone means. Yeah. Because I think there's a lot of misconception that the cone is the impact area. When it's in all reality, it's a statistical area. Has nothing to do with how far reaching these impacts from could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you made the comparison to Charlie just before this, where Charlie was, uh, it was extremely intense, but it was also very small in comparison to other hurricanes or even in, in comparison to Ian right now, where Ian's wind field is massive. Um, I don't have the number offhand, and of course it's probably going to change, but uh, tomorrow or Wednesday, we could probably see the cloud shield and the tropical storm force winds basically enveloping the entire state of Florida, which is crazy to think about um, and you know, is going to be the reality for a lot of people going into this week. Yeah, because that cone, all it does is represent, based on how accurate we've been in the past, where the exact center of the storm could be mm-hmm. as it goes through time. And uh, I was watching last night, and Jackie Jarris did a great job of explaining it, is the cone itself, there is a two-thirds chance 
that the eye will stay inside the cone. And when we say eye, we're saying it at this point in terms of Ian, but what we mean is the actual low pressure center, center. itself. Mm -hmm. um, but that also means 33% of the time, one third of the time, it deviates and goes outside of that cone. 33% is not small statistically. Right, yes. <laughs> so, and, you know, and that's just the center of the storm. Mm -hmm. If we're talking a storm that at this point in time, we're talking Tuesday evening, has spawned either a tropical storm warning or a hurricane warning for the entire Florida Peninsula, almost south of I-10. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a few counties that are not included near the I-10 area, but almost yeah. the entire Florida Peninsula, that shows you how large the system is. Right, and that is extremely important. And we were talking about this earlier, too, about how even though it is statistical and things can change, the NHC or the National Hurricane Center has done a great, great job forecasting the storm. Um, the fact that we had the first cone Friday morning, I believe, Friday 5 a.m., mm -hmm. and that had the western Florida in it. And people were like, whoa, that's like, you know, that's still five days out, whatever, things can change, yeah, blah, blah, blah. But people were able to mobilize as early as Friday, mm -hmm. which is great. And, you know, the exact landfall may not be where that cone originally was, the first cone, but think about all these people who have been mobilized because of that and who now have all their supplies or they've evacuated early or they know to check on their neighbors and things like that. So um, the communication has been really great with the storm um, because of the advances that NHC has made. Well, let's go back to that first cone because coincidentally enough, before we came into the booth, I looked at the first cone mm -hmm. and overlaid the track of Ian on top of it. Nice. And there was a little bit of area in the Caribbean because we talked about it earlier. There was a, you know, it was trying to get its act together. It took a little longer to start that strengthening process. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it stayed a little further to the west outside the cone. As soon as it started to strengthen and get that rapid intensification, it popped right back in to where that first cone was. And it is not that far off mm -hmm. from the day five center point than that first cone. So it goes to show you that we really have come a long way yeah. with figuring out where the center of the storm is going to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been super, super great. And also... Um, there were, you know, discussions on how Ian would, um, once it interacts with land, when it made landfall in Cuba uh, late last night, and if that would, you know, because for those who don't know, the terrain of Cuba is very mountainous, and um, a lot of the times the the country kind of shreds, for a better word, the, um, the structure of a hurricane and really helps to weaken it before it would make landfall or before it heads into the Gulf. But unfortunately, I don't think Ian went down at all in any intensity. Once it uh, crossed through Cuba and then emerged on the other side of the Gulf, it, was, it has been a strong mm -hmm. storm for a long, long time now. So when you look at when it crossed over Cuba, um, the wind speed only dropped five miles an hour. Was it five? Okay. It only dropped five miles an hour. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is if you look at the terrain of Cuba, Heather's right. The vast majority is very mountainous. It's very mm -hmm. rugged. The western part where it went over is not. Oh, it's not. It is okay. sparsely populated. It is very flat. Mm -hmm. It's similar to how Florida is. And it's very narrow. So it was not over land hardly for at all. Long. Yeah. And so all of those things really happened to work out. Had this hurricane passed... 60, 70 miles off to the east, we would be having a whole different story, not only in terms of relationship to the state of Florida, mm -hmm. but in terms of how strong it is because those terrain factors would have just completely changed the game. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the things that are happening in the atmosphere, but, you know, it is some things, obviously not what we're doing here on Earth. We can't change a hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> but the mountainous terrain and the ground level aspects of that play a huge factor in disrupting that
that circulation when it passes over it. Yeah. So unfortunately, Ian did not. No. Nope. <laughs> did not do that. Uh, he didn't want to play nice. That's fine. Um, but one thing that we haven't talked about much is how the forecast for Ian is going to be slowing um, once it, or once it gets close to the Florida coast, which is the worst. I know Dr. Nab always likes to say it's a category slow um, because it, no matter how strong, no matter how big, no matter how um, like wet a hurricane is, the fact that it's going to be slowing down like below 10 miles an hour in terms of movement speed off the coast of Florida is uh, very important because you are going to see extended surge impacts. You're going to see ex- extended wind impacts. Power outages can be going on for much, much longer. Um, and then definitely the rainfall, too, which um, we have to talk about as well. Yeah, I mean, it's we can't emphasize enough how the speed of this system really does make a huge factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want an example of a storm, uh, Isaac, back in 2012, mm-hmm. went into the Gulf Coast of Louisiana towards the home at Morgan City area. Isaac was just, and I say that with air quotes mm-hmm. around it, yeah. because it's the biggest pet peeve to say something like, oh, it's just it's a Category again. 1 hurricane. Exactly. This is an example of how that Saffir-Simpson scale doesn't always give you the impacts. Isaac was such a slow-moving system that the surge lasted days. There were days, literally, where portions of southern Louisiana were underwater. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the f- flooding from that, they had freshwater flooding. Because it moved so slowly, they just kept dumping rain over and over and over again. And that is a similar situation to what we're talking about with what's going to happen to Florida. Because it's going to slow down so much. I think Dr. Knapp calculated at one point in the advisories, they had forecast it to be moving for a 12-hour period, roughly 12 miles an hour. I'm sorry, 4 miles an hour over 12 hours. Wow. (laughs) You can run faster than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, But to dump that much rain, that's what causes the issues and the flooding. Mm -hmm. And to the point of, as of right now, we have a outlook for a high risk of flash flooding, which is very rarely issued by the Weather Prediction Center. Yeah. High risk in itself is so um, rarely issued. And then also that this was issued three days in advance, um, or two days technically. Um, It's issued for, I believe, Thursday. Um, So it's, yeah, it's the fact that this thing is going to slow down. And when we, you know, whenever there's emphasis on like, okay, now let's talk about storm surge. Okay, then let's talk about inland flooding. Like there's it, for some communities, you can't even separate those two no. because you're going to be getting the storm surge. You know, it's coming in from the Gulf water, but then the water is coming down from the sky, you know, at the same time causing just uh, it could be disastrous amounts of flooding for those, especially closer to the uh, western coast of Florida. Right. And especially on um, this particular area of Florida, it is very susceptible to this. And the reason is because the two factors, actually. The land is very flat, mm-hmm. obviously, so there's not like a, a lot of elevation for the water to climb. It can just keep going inland. The other thing is the continental shelf in the Gulf of Mexico leading up to land mm-hmm. is also very flat. For those of you who have been to the Gulf Coast of Florida, uh, especially Tampa Southward, if you've been to Fort Myers Beach, Sanibel Island, anything like that, think about how far you can walk out into the water and it still not be yeah. even to your chest. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually the perfect conditions for storm surge to get pushed up into the land. So perfect for Mother Nature, horrible for us. Exactly. Yeah, it's um, a recipe for disaster. And I know like those kind of phrases have been thrown around the past couple of days with Ian. So we are hoping that, you know, that these things don't come to pass. But unfortunately, you know, it's looking that way, which is unfortunate. But um, 
Yeah, I think we covered a lot um, with Ian so far. Again, I want to stress this is Tuesday evening that we are recording this podcast. So whenever you guys are listening to this, the forecast may have changed. But for a lot of a lot of you or a lot of your friends, family, whoever, if you know people living in Florida, the impacts will be the same. Um, you'll see a lot of rainfall. You will see a lot of flooding. Um, power outages are going to be um, extensive. So we just want to make sure to stress that um, the impacts were going to be very strong. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the area and you're listening to this, um, we hope everything goes smooth for you. This is the type of forecast Dr. Knapp says it and we all believe it. We hope we're wrong. Yes. We honest, <laughs> honestly, we do. We hope we're wrong mm-hmm. um, because of the destructive force of Mother Nature. Um, so, to those who are in the path of the storm, we do wish you the best um, and good luck and Godspeed. Thanks, everyone.